DJ and PK, it is time to talk youth football with Josh Newman, youth's beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Josh, good morning. Good morning, boys. How are you? Good. Uh, there are many questions after one game. We've been dying to get a look at the team, and now we have. But the biggest question, how much confidence do you have in their ability to win the Pac-12 South and get to the Pac-12 title game? And I'm curious if you have more confidence in them, less, or about the same as you did before that thing kicked off and went into a lightning delay. Well, you know, to to your first question, look, I, I think Utah is the best team in the Pac-12 South. I think they have more capabilities, more guys, and more positions than USC. Um I don't think my opinion there has changed. It's certainly not going to change. I'm not going to make any sweeping, firm judgments off one game. Certainly not going to make any firm, sweeping judgments off one game against Weber State. Um, Look, a lot of good last night. I thought Charlie Brewer was solid. Uh, Tavion Thomas looked as advertised. Devin Lloyd was all over the field. A lot of good things last night. Um, But there was a lot of things that need fixing. And Kyle Whittingham was not shy last night post-game in speaking about those things, um, look, Tavion Thomas lost a fumble. Uh, they missed an extra point after a delay of game. Um, TJ Pledger dropped a touchdown pass, right? Charlie Brewer hit him on the two yard line. He dropped it. Uh, Cole Fotheringham dropped a touchdown pass. Uh, they gave up a 17 play drive to Weber State, although that ended in a goal line stand. So, um, one game, um, not going to go off the reservation about anything really off one game. Uh, but now things are going to start to get a little more serious with a better opponent coming here um, in BYU. Yeah, all reasonable takes off of that game as far as not making uh, pronouncements, what have you. Uh, the number one thing that I was looking for, Josh, going into this game was how the running backs were going to play. You know, because uh, BYU, or excuse me, Utah, you know, you haven't been here that long, but it takes you about five minutes to figure out, okay, they have had success with one back. I think they've had eight of the last ten years, have had over a 1,000 yards uh, running backs had. So Kyle prefers a one-back system with other guys spotting that particular back. I don't want to go crazy, but it did seem to me like if we're going to go with a depth chart next week against the Cougars, I'm going to go Thomas 1 uh, Bernard two, Pledger three, Curry four. What do you think? Yeah, you know, if you want to create a depth chart, I I, I agree with that. You know, with that, um, Thomas, Bernard, Pledger, Curry. Now again, one game. You don't want to make any huge sweeping generalizations, but I, I will say this: Tavion Thomas, just based on what you watched last night, just off the eye test. He looks like a guy that you can give the ball to 15 or 20 times. He he has the size. He has the speed. He looks like that guy. Um, I'd like to see more of P.J. Pledger before I really start to make up my mind. Um, everything coming out of camp was that, you know, that he was very good, that he was as advertised. As I said, opening drive, he drops a touchdown pass. He was kind of in the doghouse after that. Only had a couple of carries. Uh, Chris Curry played, you know, he was limited. He only carried the ball three times. He got stuffed on a on a fourth and goal at the one after uh, the offensive line blew up. So um, my big takeaway from the running back situation, aside from Thomas, is that I thought Makai Bernard was really good last night. He had a couple of catches on on the first drive. 
think he had three catches. Uh, you know, he ran the ball four times. I think he finished with like 77 or, or, or 80 total yards. Um, good for him because he's a third-year guy. He's been patient. He's waited his turn. And he had a pretty pretty solid opening effort, um, it, in my opinion. But, again, no sweeping judgments. Um, but I agree with you. If we're looking at a pecking order, yes, I think it's Tavion Thomas at number one right now. Nick Ford tweeting out, there will be improvement. The O-line had some good moments, but the O-line had some bad moments. Missed blocks in the running game, and the quarterback got hit too much. Quarterback definitely got hit too much. Brewer took a took a pretty good shot to uh, to the head at one point. That uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, that was a targeting call, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a targeting call. So, look, the offensive line, you know, Kyle Whittingham has, has painted that as his biggest concern right now. Um Everybody dressed, with the exception of a uh, Sateo Laumea. So Jaron Kump, that you know, that's the big takeaway. Jaron Kump did not play last night. Dressed, didn't play. Kyle said post game that he uh, he's optimistic that Kump can play against BYU. Um, so if Kump does play against BYU, what do you do with the rest of the line? Look, Jaron Kump is going to play. He's the best tackle on the roster. So what do you do? You know, do you slide Kump in? Um, at left tackle and pull Bam Olaseni out. Do you slide Kump in at right tackle and leave Olaseni there? There, so you know there's some decisions to be made. But I think, I think things will get better once Kump is in in the lineup, healthy and able to play. I like where this BYU game is situated. Uh, I prefer they play the first game of the year, and I'd wish that there would be some rule that they, the all teams, not just the Utes or whomever, play. they shouldn't be playing Big Sky teams, but everybody does it, so or most everybody anyway. But I like that the the you know you got enough to work on based on the game itself from Weber, and they probably weren't going to play a perfect game, and they maybe they played a little less perfect if that's an expression that Kyle would want. So he's got things to work on, but the fact that it's BYU, and even if you're new, you still have an understanding of who BYU is, and they haven't lost to them. They're going for ten in a row. So I really like the way it's set up because I think it gives them a challenge to. Be ready. They should be focused and all that stuff. Get a better read of where they're at, followed by San Jose State the following week, and then starting conference play. In, in my mind, I like slating BYU at that second spot after the first game against Big Sky Caliber. Hey, do you like that where it is? I do. I agree with you. I like where it is. Now, look, on one hand, I understand if if you or or or, or the fans would want Utah-BYU as the opener, because if it's the opener, you have months and months of buildup. You know, people are going to be talking about it for months because it's the first game. That's on one hand. On the other hand, again, I agree with you. Second game means, look, Utah has a baseline now for what they are, what they need to work on. They can make improvements. You know, BYU is in the same boat. They're going to play Arizona late Saturday night. They'll have a baseline. They'll have things that they can work on. And theoretically, Utah-BYU being the second game, you're going to see two improved football teams based on what we're seeing in game one. So, yes, I agree with you. I like this, you know, I, I like this Utah BYU game in that second spot because, again, theoretically, we're going to get a higher quality of play out of both teams versus what we might have gotten if it was the opener. Do you believe the tight ends are good enough and uh, 
fast enough to get downfield and make the explosive plays that we generally expect wide receivers to make, except the Utes don't seem to have the quality and the depth of wide receivers that we would normally associate with a really good football team. Uh, yes, I do. And I think Brand Keithy is a, is a proven commodity in that department. I mean, look, just look at the first place on scrimmage last night. Uh, Utah went five wide, Brewer in the shotgun, uh, Keithy gets behind his man, draws a pass interference penalty. Uh, you know, that's what, that's what Keithy does. You know, he's not this big, lumbering, blocking tight end. He's more of a, you know, a versatile type of guy, a, a pass catching option. And, you know, he's a, again, he's a proven commodity there. I came away really impressed, uh, with Dalton Kincaid last night. Um, transfer from the University of San Diego, where he was, uh, an FCS All-American in 2019. Uh, you know, played the, you know, the weirdo five game COVID season. You know, he played, uh, but he didn't have a huge impact last season. He came out last night and I thought he was awesome. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. I think he was four catches for 76 yards, caught a couple of touchdown passes. That's an interesting weapon kind of coming out of nowhere here. And Kyle said post game, he, he thinks that Kincaid, and I'm paraphrasing Kyle, he thinks that Kincaid is the best kept secret in the Pac 12. Kind of hard to argue based on what we saw last night. So I like how you definitively thought that uh, Utah is the best team in the South. I don't know if they are. I'm not willing to go to that strong, but the good thing about it is they've got nine games to prove it. And most people, well, not maybe not most people, but anyway, a lot of people would think that you know SC should be there. So I want to run this by you: that okay, going with your argument for argument with your statement for argument's sake, Utah has the best talent. In the South, all right? I can agree with that. We'll see what happens. But how about that even though they have the best talent, they don't necessarily win the division because SC doesn't play Oregon and Washington. I think that's a huge advantage for the Trojans. I'm I'm not going to argue there. Huge advantage, absolutely. And just to further your point, uh, we all know that Utah hasn't won that at the Coliseum. And we can talk about, you know, the 100-year streak, but let's let's boil that down a, a little further. Utah is 0-5 at the Coliseum since joining the Pac-12. Some of those losses have been under brutal circumstances, and and that's what it is. And if if Utah thinks, excuse me, if Utah thinks that it's for real, if it thinks that it's a legitimate contender to win the Pac-12, this Utah team needs to go into the Coliseum and figure it out. That's flat statement. I've been saying it for, for months. If Utah thinks it's for real, you need to figure it out at USC. And, look, they win last night. They will be betting favorites against BYU and San Diego State and Washington State. And I think they're going to go into the Coliseum at 4-0. And they need to figure it out. If you're going to win the Pac-12 South, you have to beat USC at USC. It's high time that you figure that out. Alan, uh, Josh Newman, join us here, Utes writer for the Salt Lake Tribune after Utah beats Weber State. You know, Kyle will say a lot of things for public consumption, and he doesn't spin it a lot, but he also doesn't have to tell 100% the truth. What do you think bugs him the most right now, and has he blurted it out or not? It was interesting last night. He he walked into the postgame presser with a what appeared to be a crumpled up three by five index card. And at one point he pulls out the card and it's literally a list of things that they did wrong. Um, 
I don't think he harped on any one thing. I don't think there's any one thing off that game that's bugging him. But there's a lot of little things that he believes that need fixing. And, you know, I mentioned most of them, right? The drop touchdown passes, uh, stuffed on fourth and one, uh, you know, the Tavion Thomas fumble. I think he, and again, the, the, there's only so much to glean from a nine-minute post-game press conference with Kyle having not watched film yet. I don't know that there's any one thing that's bugging him. I think he's walking out of that game optimistic, but it was very clear to me that he was at least mildly displeased about what went on last night. And I don't blame him. You know, Weaver hung around. Uh, they gave up a 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, which I failed to mention throughout this interview. That, that kills Kyle and their special teams problem. So, uh, no, you know, no one glaring thing, but certainly a lot of little things. And I don't know that, I don't know that they're, total effort last night is good enough to beat the top of the Pac-12. Like, I don't know that last night's effort beats USC. I don't know that that effort beats a healthy Arizona State. But again, it's a baseline, and it's one game, and you're not going to go crazy over anything, but there's absolutely things that need to be fixed. I think anybody watching last night, whether it be on TV or live, I think everybody can agree that there are plenty of things that need working on. Josh, we appreciate the time as always. Enjoy a uh, enjoy ten days to the next game. I don't know; that doesn't make any difference to you. You got to keep you got to keep grinding out content. It doesn't matter to you, right? <laughs> uh, no, it's it's day after day. We'll get it done. But look, football's back, right? These are good problems to have. I'm happy to keep cranking Ooh. things out because it means we have a season. So let's get I it going. I hear you. Way to go. Josh Newman, you can read him in the Salt Lake Tribune covering the Utes. Follow him on social media as well. Thank you, Josh. DJ and PK. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We've got a lot of reaction to the Ute game, people's impressions coming in, a lot of what uh, Josh just said, and then people just weighing in based on what they saw in the game as well. And we will get to that next. Stay with us. The Big Show Big with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Joining us now, former Coug, our good friend Jordan Pendleton. BYU turning over the roster a little bit. Lay out some realistic expectations for this year's squad. I think as far as athleticism goes and potential, I think the athletes are there, but it's kind of unknown right now. Do I think BYU is going to only lose one game this year? Probably not. I think their schedule is going to be pretty tough, but I am excited to see how they respond off of last year with a better schedule ahead and see what they can do this year. So it's going to be fun to see, but it's definitely a toss-up right now. I think every Everybody's just excited to see them go get this first game under their belt and see what type of team that they're going to be. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Reaction flooding in. Impressions of the Utes after a 40-17 to win over Weber State in the season opener. What are your impressions? Jimmy just tweeted at us that they always find a way to look bad against an FCS team to open the season. Then they end up 9-3. and three. Did you think they looked bad, PK? No. Because they found the, the running back and the quarterback was as advertised and the defense is what it usually is? All right, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> You love to tell me I'm wrong or say, yeah, those three are good points, but you missed the obvious one. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But in this particular case, you hit on a lot of what I would have said. Sure. Yeah. You know, get out there and play football. 
Now, one thing I'm going to say, definitive. You want a definitive statement? This is the best team they've had since 2019. Okay, thanks. Thanks there, big guy. (laughs) As it should be since 2020. (laughs) Pandemic and five-game schedule aside, looked like it was going to be a rebuilding year. They ought to be better this year than they were last year. And I get that last year was weird beyond belief. But they ought to be better this year. And it looks like they are better this year. And the transfer portal looks like it paid off. The secondary didn't show me anything. But I don't know that I expected them to show me anything. They're going to face stiffer tests. The Graham Harrell offense of the USC Trojans with Slovis, obviously, is going to be much, much better. It goes without saying. What do you do then? I mean, I think we're going to see it next week. And the Cougar offense is going to be better, right? I mean, it goes without saying also. Uh, so I'm not sure about San Diego State in terms of the secondary. I don't know you would know better as far as, uh, you know, Rocky Long and how much influence is still there because they were a ground-and-pound type of team. So I want to see what the secondary can do against teams that are capable of putting the ball up and moving it through the air. And I knew going in that I probably wasn't going to get a good enough read on that secondary, right? So... They didn't meet. There were no expectations for me to meet. So I did it. they certainly didn't exceed expectations, nor did they fall below expectations because I didn't have much of an expectation level as far as the Utah secondary's ability to defend the pass and to defend pass-happy teams. But they're going to get a test next week. Not sure about the following week. Uh, Washington State tends to like to put the ball up. Then they got time off to prepare for the Trojans, and the Trojans throw the ball a lot. As they should. They've got a great receiver and a great quarterback. So I don't have, basically, I have an incomplete on the secondary, but I gave them that grade last week, expecting that it wasn't going to change much based off of uh, a, an opponent, uh, the Big Sky opponent. And that's exactly where I'm at there. Everything else, I was fine with. You know, the, you, you expect discipline out of a Kyle Whittingham team. So you don't expect 12 guys out on the field, right? Those types of things are a surprise because he's a regimented dude at 7 o'clock the second Tuesday of the season. He's doing the exact same thing that he's done for 25, 30 years at 7 o'clock in the morning on the second Tuesday of the season. You know what I'm saying? He has everything structured. He's a very structured person in his life and in his program. So you don't expect stupid stuff like having too many guys out on the field. When they put the graphic up on the game, Kyle Whittingham, 17th year. Now, we were doing the radio show when he started. We full well know. All right? 04 is burned in people's mind. Urban went undefeated, and Kyle took over in 05. There's literally thousands of Ute fans who can recite that in the blink of an eye. And yet it was still weird to see 17 years up there. And you're right. 17 years, I think since year, boy, this has got to be at least year 13 or 14. Of him doing pretty much the same thing. I think he yeah, tinkered yeah, early yeah. on, finding his way, but he found it, and then he locked in. He's like, well, that's working. I'm not screwing it up. I'm not going to try to outthink the room here. That's working. I'm doing it. And so he doesn't have downtime. If he needs to return phone calls, he gets on the treadmill and returns phone calls because he wants to get his workout in and have the Whittingham calves and people creating Twitter accounts about him. It doesn't change. Very simple guy in the way he lives his life, and it works for him. 
So good, yep. good on him. You know, he's had enormous success. He's going to go down as the winningest coach in Utah football history. He's going to retire whenever he wants to, most likely. So everything is set up for him. So one of the things you can appreciate about his program is the structure and knowing things. We can predict things as, as we can pretty much. He doesn't even need to speak because we can all tell you what he's going to say. Uh, on just about any and every question that he gets, right? He's been around long enough, which you probably get that from just about any coach who's been around this long because he's starting to get up there as he approaches 20 years as a head coach at the same institution in which he worked 10 years as a – well, not entirely as the coordinator, but on the defensive side. So, wow, he's basically going to follow Lavelle Edwards, you know, in terms of – Duration and all that. He may not get the same amount of years as a head coach, but the just the way his program is. So you don't expect some things, and there's a couple things that you know surprise me. One of the things that bugged me though, and and maybe it's because we pick at it so much that it bothers us, and we're heightened aware where our awareness is heightened. But the drop TD passes, uh, and I just and I and I get you fans. You had a touchdown. And it didn't matter in this game, but you had a touchdown, and you dropped it, and so you had to set up for a field goal. It's Utah's offense settling for field goals when they should have had a touchdown. It seems like that in big situations. Now, maybe they gotten past that because they won the South uh, two out of the last three years. But that... That memory there, it's a scarring memory. That's the word I was waiting for. <laughs> I, it didn't matter in this game, and I don't matter if I don't know if it'll matter in future games, but the Ute fans have scars in that area. Dropped balls have been a problem. Turning seven points into three has been a problem. To have them both happen at the same time same time on the same play at the two yard line, oh, you could just feel the shiver run up and down people's spines. You know what long suffering Ute fans are thinking. That's four points we're going to need against fill-in-the-blank. BYU, yeah, BYU, ASU, USC, Oregon, all games that matter a lot to you fans. Alabama, Ohio State. In yeah, playoffs. in the playoffs, right? <laughs> Washington in the title game. Uh, Basin Brand. Look at this, PK. You found your peeps. You can ride with Basin Brand. Why do the youths play Weber every year? Seems like a waste of a game. No offense to Weber, but the Utes need to be playing teams on their level. This game says very little about where the Utes are at. All things considered, Weber looked good as always. Jay Hill is top-notch. Okay, fine. But I do think that the, the, the running backs all ran against Weber's defense. And we saw something potentially special out of one guy. We saw something pretty good out of another guy. And yep. I'm speaking of Thomas and Bernard. So, so I, I can't discount that. I would have preferred... Yeah, go ahead and play. You, you never know, though. I mean, like when they played Michigan, that wasn't the Michigan team, that the Michigan program. They weren't playing the Michigan program. Doesn't matter. They were playing the helmets, and that was Jim Harbaugh, and they smacked them around, and it felt good. Right, but we knew they were going to do that. It would have been a surprise otherwise. And, yeah, it's a better opponent. But it, I don't like it either, but I've accepted it. And so I'm trying to make the best out of it. And these all these running backs all ran against the same defense. You see what I'm saying there? So you can make a judgment there. Clearly, Thomas, uh, yeah, Thomas looked better than everybody else. He just did. 
But Bernard, but Bernard looked really good, and if Thomas keeps fumbling, Bernard's going to be the guy. Okay, I don't keep fumbling. He's ha- he had one fumble. Yes, there. and if that keeps <laughs> happening, if he has one fumble in every game, he's not going to be the guy. Well, no you one is. Right. Hold and on to the ball is, against Bernard BYU. Bernard f- fumbles twice against the Cougars. He's out, too. <laughs> good point. You got me there. So, <laughs> so that that's a standard that applies across the board. I don't, maybe the, I don't know if this kid is loose with the ball. I haven't seen enough of him. I didn't even know about him until a few weeks ago. I didn't know about him in earnest besides looking at a name on a piece of paper. No, but the fact that he could win this competition seriously came up a few weeks ago. No question. And since then, everybody's heard it, and everybody's been digging around, and you know the Google machine works for everybody, and then you try to find people around the program who would know. Yeah. And, they all and it was said, all yeah. good, and then he yeah. came out, and he looked really good. You average nine yards a carry, you have everybody's full attention. Now, they only gave him 12 carries down the road. We might be looking at 22 carries. They only gave him 12. You know, Pledger only got two. He had the drop on the, on the pass at the two-yard line. Curry only got three carries. So I assume they kind of knew where they wanted to go when the game started, but give everybody a chance. And Pledger had 10 yards on his two carries. I mean, nothing wrong with that. A couple of five-yard carries. Average five yards a carry, good things are going to happen. Bernard averaged almost six and was a threat out of the backfield with the three catches for 41 yards. So, Well, I feel very confident that Andy Ludwig will put Bernard in positions to succeed. So he'll get the job done there. Andy will make sure of it because I, I think the world of uh, uh, Andy Ludwig as a coordinator. And he's really not going to miss on something like that. We only saw it because he's already not missing on it. No, and and people have told me about Andy Ludwig over the years, and how he's a guy's just a, he, he's a, he's a Whittingham clone, and and he's a no nonsense dude. Uh, he's one of these guys. Uh, it sort of reminds me a little bit of Robert and I, except for one for some reason, and I went went in confrontation mode a few times. Ludwig won't do that, but if you interview him, uh, he's all business. But then once you turn the recorder off. You can talk with him a little bit. And so he's a little different that way. So, you know, Kyle will shuck and jive when the record uh, recorders are on. You know, he'll especially at the start of an interview and this time of year, as we get deeper into the season, it's a little bit different. But Ludwig is all business, and he's really good. And so he's going to put these guys in a position to succeed. So I'm excited to see because they've got – Probably got more weapons than they've had. I don't know individually if the weapons are as good individually. What I mean by that is, is Zach Moss better? Or, I mean, is Thomas better than Zach Moss? Well, I probably wouldn't say that. Certainly wouldn't say that right now. But when Zach Moss was the featured running back, I don't think the offense has had had as many potential weapons as it has now. Right now, there's five skill players who have the the ball, not counting quarterbacks, but running backs, tight ends, receivers. There's five guys, if they have the ball, you think something really good could happen. Thomas and Bernard at running back. Kincaid and Keithy at tight end. And Britton Covey. And Solomon Enos had a good game. I want to see more of that before I'm really confident. I'm open to the possibility, but I'm not really confident he's going to sustain that. But well, ultimately, th- they may have six guys. They may. Enos. I think he can get the job done, Enos. 
if if he averages and it's Weber State, so I you know, but if he averages four catches for sixty two yards, yeah. he's a good college wide receiver. Yeah, and that's what I think he is. That's I'm I'm fairly confident in saying that. But I will say you're absolutely right. The quarterback room, the running back room, the receiver room. I mean, the, geez, they charge extra. They're not rooms. I'm going to start calling them suites. Nice. In the running back suite, you've <laughs> got to you use you that. You've got to earn that. You've got to find, uh, find a way to uh, work that into a question to Kyle because I think you'll make him laugh. In the running back suite, you got two running running backs. You don't have them in a room, Kyle. you got them in a suite. You know you Right. Do. I mean, it's you a got, step up. you got packed full of money now, Kyle. It's a suite. Right, right. We went from Motel 6 to, you know, the Four Seasons, right? It's not just a room now. I'll leave it's the light on for you. Nah, don't. I'm not coming by. We're going to no, go no, to we'll, the Four Seasons. No, in the suite, we'll leave the chandelier on for you. Now you're talking. Right? Yeah. So it's a much better room. It's got a balcony. So, it's so, got a view. Let's order a little room service, huh? Room service? Yeah, yeah as long as you're on the company credit card because you can get a little expensive. On the Pac-12 credit card. Absolutely. But if you're, you know... I'm not, I'm not saying I ever did that, but if you're on the company credit card, you know, you can order room service because you're not paying for it. And when when when, uh, when the Tribune sent me to the Final Four, uh, Cragthorpe, my gosh, he was just piling on the stories. <laughs> and I said, Kurt, man, I got like 10 stories to do. I haven't eaten. You know what he said? I think I've told you what he said. He said, order room service and keep typing. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. We got to have him on again. I want to hear that story. I, don't I thought know we were going to get the story that. about him walking across town carrying his uh, suitcase, his roller suitcase behind him. Oh. Well, everybody's got those. Yeah, but you what you just said, because I've never heard that one before. So that's yeah, hilarious. yeah. I was sitting in the I was sitting in the hotel in San Antonio, and they sent me down to Compton before uh, I I took off on the. They beat Arizona. And then I took off on the Sunday to go to Compton because they wanted a massive A1 piece on Andre Miller. So, And I, I've told you this before, anything in L.A., I was their guy. And so they sent me down there, and I went to visit his parents in, the, in his home and went to uh, his high school. And I'd, I hadn't been to his home, but I'd been to the high school and whatnot, so I knew my way around. So I had that story I had to write, and then I get into San Antonio – and uh, man, Kurt is just giving you assignment after assignment. It's a big deal too, obviously. The, the, final the final four. four. So I mean, I get it, but I did make that comment, and I remember him saying, "Just order room service and keep, keep typing." typing. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, BYU, the Big Twelve, the dance continues. We will get to that next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The new look Aggies hit the road to take on Washington State to kick off the Blake Anderson era in Logan. Catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the pregame show at 8. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Our friends at BYU Sports Nation with a good question and then a hilarious reply, PK. What you got? 
Well, BYU Sports Nation, that's our question of the day. They're coming up in a little more than an hour. Uh, where are you emotionally with the BYU to the Big 12 speculation? And Brandon tweets back something from the office where Michael Scott <laughs> looks into the camera because they do that interview-style thing in the office with the documentary crew, and he says, no question about it, I'm ready to be hurt again. <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. Hurt well, or hurt? Hurt again. Oh. Yeah, I don't because think there this was time. yeah, I know. I think it is different this time. And last time they were at ten, and they're going to go to twelve. And BYU looks like a solid pick for eleven. And who will school twelve be? And they decide never mind. We're staying at ten. Get the rug pulled out of you. But now they're going to eight. They 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 can't say never mind. We like what we have. It's not happening. If you're a serious conference these days, you're at 12 teams. If you're at 10, you're vulnerable. So they're going to add four. You said earlier in the show you think BYU is option one. So And, and they're certainly in a position where they've got um, – they're more uh, – what is the word? More versatile. They're, they're able to respond more quickly as an independent. Other schools would have to give notice to their league. Investability is availability. There you well, go. Well, they could be in the league next year. Now, all these reports are starting to come out now fast and furious. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're germinating from Big 12 sources. I don't have any Big 12 sources. I got BYU sources. And so I'm getting it from the BYU angle. And they can be in the league next season. I'm not going to go out and tweet anything. That's not my style. I've decided I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do it here on the air uh, so I can draw people in to listen, obviously. hey I mean, Putting it out on Twitter doesn't get me anything. I don't that's need a, any credit from anybody. Go that's ahead. A, uh, it's a Jake Scott advice right there. Yeah, well, it's wise. Jake is wise when it comes to radio. He's had many great ideas over the years. And so uh, you want to know what I know, I'll tell you. But I'm going to tell you here rather than putting it out on Twitter. Uh, and these other people, they need to do that. And that's good for them. I've got no problem with them doing that. They, I don't need to increase my stature, my profile. It is what it is at this point in my life. Uh, but I believe that, that if BYU wants in, they can get. They will get in. If, if BYU wants in, they will get in. I'm not reporting that they're going. I want to make sure that anybody, everybody understands that. But they are, I believe, the number one. Just the things that I believe based on what I hear and, and have been told. I believe they're the number one option. I believe they can go in as soon as next season. And they, they, why wouldn't they want to go in next season? Establish relationships. Get going. I've heard the possibility of football only. Uh, until Oklahoma and Texas leave. You know, who's going to call each other's bluff on that deal? I don't have any sources on that as far as is Oklahoma or Oklahoma and Texas, are they going to leave early? Uh, will they stay until 2025 to get every last penny? You know, who knows? I don't know how that's going to happen. But they don't need, the Big Ten, 12 doesn't need Oklahoma and Texas to vote yes on BYU for BYU to get in now. Uh, and we were talking about this, I think it was earlier in the week, and you were talking about down the line. I'm saying, no, I said it at that time, that no, it's immediate. It very well could be immediate. It may not be. I'm not reporting that it's going to be. I'm just reporting, uh, talking about what I've heard. Uh, and, you know, ESPN is involved, and there's a possibility maybe BYU keeps its deal somehow with ESPN, how that is to be determined. There's a lot of layers of stuff. There's a that- ton of layers, and that's why I thought it was down the line. But... There's a lot of money at stake, and if you can make a little more money by striking quickly, whether you're a school, whether you're a conference, whether you're a TV network, and we're dealing with two conferences, you know, it's not just when will the Big 12 and Oklahoma and Texas cut a deal, 
But is the SEC urging Oklahoma and Texas in the background? Are they bringing up some points about, hey, this is why it worth, it's worth it to you to cut a deal and write a little bigger check and make it move more quickly? And there, When you say there are a lot of layers, there are a lot of layers. Yeah. I'm sure there's stuff I don't even know about. I yeah. know there's stuff I don't know about. And I, I do believe that the Big 12, though, the remaining eight, they're reaching out to P5 schools. It's not just the schools you've been reported that have been reported. They've I read one thing that others. there were that there were 15 schools, but those were G5s. And you brought up the possibility of, hey, reach out to the Arizonas. What do they think? On the surface, I don't see why the Arizonas would go. But if I were the Big 12, they got to do their homework. They should reach out to the Arizonas. And who else do they think? Do they reach out to former Big 12 schools who maybe aren't happy where they are about coming back? I don't think they will. But if you're the Big 12, you're not doing your job if you don't reach out. Right. So it is a complicated process, as you can imagine. And I don't know what BYU is going to do. I can't say that I know that they are all in at this point. I don't know that. May They very well could be all in, and it's just a matter of working out a bunch of details. I don't know that. So I'm not going to tell you anything to, to, that I don't know or that I don't believe. Okay, but do you think that there's a possibility that BYU – there are not everyone, but there are enough powerful people who like BYU as an independent. They would turn the Big Twelve down. Personal opinion now. Yes, I think BYU will be in the Big Twelve. I think they're going to go there and establish these relationships, see what they can build up. They know they've got the relationship with ESPN. They're willing to play all those games at 8, 8.30 at night on a Saturday in November if that's what it takes. So the point being, if this thing doesn't work out down the line, short-term, long-term, whatever it might be, they have a fallback situation. ESPN wants to take advantage of that. So they have a connection there. Uh, so I think they're going to do it. It's a great, great move for basketball. Uh, everyone is excited around BYU to see what Mark Pope can do, how how much, how far, how long, how high, whatever, he can take this basketball program. And they believe getting that program into this conference, it's obvious. Everyone <laughs> believes it. It's a no-brainer. It's, it's a, we all agree on that. You can't argue that it would be an outstanding basketball conference from it day would be, one. It would be top three in a down year. That's and, awesome. And and in an up year, it would be the best league in the in the country. Possibly. I mean, the way Baylor, Texas Tech, Kansas to have those three at the top of the league and to say that BYU and Cincinnati could be coming in, Houston has had good teams over time. Uh, Kansas State and Oklahoma State have been good over time. I mean, that's Iowa State has been a two seed. Uh, it's an awesome basketball league. You know, yeah. now, now, in another year, the ACC or the Big Ten, the SEC does seem to have the arrow up. Uh, but certainly the ACC and Big Ten can be great in any given year. So it'll just well, depend any on, given year. Yeah, it right, just depends yeah. on the year. But, but it's going to be solid every year. But the Big 12 will never fall. That Big 12 would never fall very far from the top. I think that uh, what you'll find basketball-wise is all those coaches are going to praise BYU in the way Mark Few did Mark Few absolutely loves, he, if he could get away with it, he'd play BYU five times in conference play, and four of them would be on on the road probably because he loves bringing his team into Maryland. I've spoken to him 
multiple times in one-on-one situations about this very thing. He loved bringing him in there because he thought it was tournament-tested top uh, as far as environments, and they play you tough. We've seen it. They've beaten him a number of times. And you're going to find Bill Self and the like, uh, uh, Drew down there in Baylor, those guys start praising, wow, this is awesome. They probably already know it anyway, but uh, they would uh, they would enjoy that. So that's a good situation there. Uh, football, you know, probably not as good on the uh, level as it would be in basketball, but let's see what they can do. Let's see what they can build. It, it to me, it gives it provides the conference with some hope that you're not just going to drift away. And then if you can get it going, well, then you can sustain it a little bit. And you know, who knows how what's going to happen ten years from now? What all the changes are going to be? I don't know that that'll big. Big 12 will be there forever in its entirety whenever they decide to announce their expansion situations. But the bottom line is if BYU, I believe, if BYU wants in, they will get in this time. That could be as soon as next year. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12. Sorry to go lock on you there. (laughs) That's fine. He's not coming on on Friday, so you got to fill in the role. Come on. Did you see, man, I, speaking of lock and basketball, I saw on Instagram Jordan Clarkson. He's been busy uh, in the uh, the old tattoo uh, artist uh, facility this offseason. What did he add? Oh, man, it looks like I got a picture of it right now. He's, he's, he's got, like, uh, long workout shorts, and he doesn't have a shirt on. He's got a face tattoo coming off the left eye. The, all the way up to the neck now is tattooed. Uh, so he's been busy, man. And another set that said Jordan Clarkson, it's called Inked NBA if you want to look at it on Instagram. Jordan Clarkson can't be stopped. JC added yet another set of pieces, including his first face tat. How about that? What do you I'll, think of face tats? I'll pass, thanks. <laughs> DJ with a face tat. <laughs> what was I watching? I was watching something. I was channel serving during a game, and I can't remember what came up. But someone was was literally laying there, getting inked in the needle, and they were asking him how much it hurt. And that, oh my gosh! And I'm like, me and needles, not going to happen. And then you have to uh, you have to have it wrapped and have uh, basically a you know a massive to, band-aid on it for a while. I had to go get a physical about a month ago and you got to go in for a blood draw, right? And they got to do a whole panel or whatever. So fine. So I go in and the dude jabs me in the arm. But first off, he's he's just he's poking around with his fingers trying to get the vein. I don't do and needles. We need to move he on. He jabs me in the arm and doesn't get any blood. Sorry, I'm gonna have to do the other one. So he fills up this glove with warm water and puts it in the in the left arm in the thing the elbow to try to get the the uh, thing to rise. And my wife right then texts me, "How's it going?" <laughs> uh, All right, let's break. I just hate that. Making that. me freak. Really? Out. Oh yeah, I don't do needles. DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five at twelve eighty. The zone.